this is our last Sunday service of 2018. And what a year it's been. What a year it's been. And even though it's our last service of 2018, and next year is 2019, there is some good news for you still in 2018. And the good news is this. If you haven't started yet on your New Year's Eve resolution, on your New Year's resolution for 2018, you've still got one day left to get going on that New Year's resolution before it all resets and you have to make another one. So, you know, from Liverpool One Church, finish strong. We're, we're, the, uh, we're the advocates of finishing New Year's Eve strong. So let's all get going on our 2018 resolutions tomorrow that we maybe haven't even thought about since we made them a year ago. And let's all finish strong. You know, I, um, I'm a fairly competitive person. Something about me, I, I, I'm quite competitive. That's just in my nature. I like competitive sports. I like things that are a bit fast and a bit furious. And I like things that sort of get the blood going. And one of the things that I like to do, that I don't get to do an awful lot, is kart racing. I, I like to do it. I just enjoy the whole race and the pace. And I, I just like the fastness of kart racing. Now, one of my friends, who's going to remain nameless for the purposes of this message today, because we're in church, um, also likes kart racing, and he's pretty good at it, which is annoying to me. And this friend, let's call him Luke for the sake of argument, um, he, uh, just, just for the sake of argument, just for the story's sake, he, um, he likes to beat me. He likes to absolutely school me at kart racing, and because I enjoy winning, that, that's a bad thing for me. Hands up all the sore losers in the house. Who's a sore loser? I'm a sore loser. I'm a really bad loser. But when he beats me, it's not enough that he beats me. Because what happens is then he taunts me and he says things to me like, I couldn't remember where you finished last time. I couldn't see you from so high up on the podium. Where were you the last time we went kart racing? And I would have thought by this time in my life, maybe I would have grown out of that. I would have, I would have developed myself out of that. I'd like to think as I've gone through my Christian walk as a faithful man of God, I would have matured from that. But even this last summer, where we all, a bunch of the lads went out kart racing and Luke beat me again and he, and he goaded me again and he, and, he, and he went after it again, he just gets the greatest of reactions out of me. And I, yeah, I know, I know, I know, pray for me. I'm having counselling for it. We all have struggles, don't judge mine. And all I'm saying is that for me, it's very, very similar to a lot of you in that it's when I get bothered, it really bothers me that I tend to react. Do you ever find that when you get bothered, it's, it's, it's then when you tend to react? And, and, and generally speaking, what I'm saying is in our lives, we don't tend to change very much unless we get bothered. Nothing really seems to change unless we, 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 we get bothered by things. You see, in church, we can talk about change. We can read about change. We can sing about change. We can even preach about change. But if we keep tolerating things, we'll never change them. We just won't change them. But as a people, I feel like we need to get bothered about some things. It's, it's when we get annoyed. It's when we get irritated. It's when we come to a position where we say, enough is enough. I have been this way for long enough. I've, I've dealt with this for long enough. It's been in my character for, for far too long. And, and I'm fixing, I'm going to change something. I, I'm bothered. I'm irritated. I'm annoyed. 
And because I am, I'm going to change it. And if I'm honest, I feel like some of us today, myself included, we, we need to get bothered. We need to get irritated. We need to fix to change something in our lives. You know, as we read through the Bible, there's all sorts of Bible characters and Bible stories that show us the very same thing. They show us that there was, there was people all the way through history who got bothered. It wasn't until Pharaoh got bothered by 10 plagues that he finally fixed to change something and eventually let Moses take God's people. It wasn't until David got bothered by Goliath that eventually something changed and he stepped up and he killed him. And everything changed in a moment. Why? Because he got bothered by the giant. And I feel like when I walk around Liverpool on our city streets, on our watch, now, over the Christmas break, I get bothered by things in our own city. And if I'm honest, I feel like we as Liverpool One Church, the church that is about Liverpool, I feel like we ought to get bothered by some things that are going on in our city. I feel like loneliness in our city should bother us. I feel like depression in our city should bother us. I feel like suicide on our watch in our city, that ought to bother us as people. I feel like poverty should bother us. Homelessness, that should bother us. And why? Because until we get bothered about it, we're not going to do anything to try and change it. You see, because in life, motivation comes from all sorts of different places. Vision creates motivation. Frustration creates motivation. And, and some, some of us, we will change things because we just see a brighter future. And some of us, we will change things because we're just so sick and tired of the way things are. Motivation comes from all sorts of places. And today, I've called this talk Bothering God because I feel like there's some of us here today who may never move into where God wants us to be unless we truly learn the art of what it means to effectively bother God. Some of us today, we've come in here and you may have walked in today with pain in your life. You may have walked in here today and things aren't going how you thought they might go. Things might not be what you thought they might be. You could have walked in here today with a failing marriage and you say, my, my marriage isn't going to make it. This relationship is, is not going to make it. What I need today is restoration. Or, or you may be here today and you may have physical sickness in your body. But and what you're in need of is healing. And you say, well, yeah, what I need is, is good health. But, but what happens is when I go to the doctor, from what they tell me, what I actually need is a miracle. Because it just doesn't seem to stack up. What I'm getting told, you, you might be here today and you might have all sorts of issues going on. And some of us need to understand today that maybe until we get used to the idea that we need to bother God with some things and we need to bother him until he reacts, that we may never step into the blessing that we otherwise might have. You see, sometimes in life, when we don't get what we want, we take a step back. We, we might try something, but the second that we get a no, we take a step back. Or if it doesn't work out in the timescale that we maybe thought it would, we take a step back. And some of us need to learn if we don't get that thing, we don't need to take those steps back. You see, I hear so many people say this, and, and, and people still say it to me now, and what they actually say is, well, you see, 
The thing is, I'm believing for that thing and I'm hoping for that thing and I'm dreaming of that thing and maybe my hopes and my dreams and my wants, maybe, maybe I, just don't, I just don't want to bother God with my request. I just don't want to go there. And I hear people say, you see, with my thing, I'm just waiting on God. I, I, that's all I'm doing. I'm just waiting on him. But who knows, while we're waiting on him, sometimes that's just code for saying I'm actually doing nothing. I'm actually asking God for nothing. While we wait on God, it's, it's okay. It's, it's, it's good to still speak to him. It's good to still communicate with him. It's good to still bother him while we wait. Because when we don't get the things that we want and things that ha- don't happen inside of our timescale, when, when that doesn't happen sometimes, it is in our nature to back away. Maybe if you've been dreaming for something and hoping for something and wanting for something and, and wishing something might happen, if it doesn't happen in your timescale, what's in our nature is we back off. And, and we start to believe some serious things like, maybe God just doesn't care about my thing. Maybe God just doesn't care about my dream. Maybe my thing is just too small for him and he's too busy doing other things and, and he's over there doing his thing and I'm over here doing my thing and he doesn't get me and he doesn't even see me and there's all these people in the world and there's all this trouble going on and there's all this other stuff and maybe my thing is just far too small for him and I don't want to bother him with, with my tiny little request, my tiny little want. That, that's so often what we tend to feel. But what if I was to say to you that the very thing that you think sometimes may be bothering God, actually, in reality, is blessing God? What if I was to tell you today that God actually wants us to bother him? What if that was the case? And today what you thought was a problem to him, actually, that's what he wants us to do. We're going to have a look at a story in a moment, and um, it's Jesus telling us exactly this thing. It's Jesus saying to us, trying to teach us as people, it's Jesus saying to us, I want to teach you to pray always and never, ever give up. It's, It's him trying to teach us that. Because there's these moments as we walk through our lives where we reach these crossroads. And at these crossroads, it's it's kind of like, We ask these questions, when should I carry on and when should I give up? Like, like, when is enough enough? When do I throw the towel in on this thing? When do I just stop all communication and give up on this dream? And I'm saying today, if there's any category in your life where you feel that way and you feel as if enough's enough, I've believed for this thing for long enough, I've been after this thing for long enough, I've faithfully prayed for this thing for long enough, if there's a category in your life, you've either been there or you're there right now, then I'm telling you there's an answer here for you. This is a message for you today. I have been there and this is a great message for you today because there is a promise from God. What does Jesus do all the time through the Bible? He he takes complicated problems, our complicated mess, and he explains how to navigate our way through those things with simple, easy to understand parables. He just tells us a story. And in Luke 18, where we're going to go in just a second, we're going to uh, read a story about a widow who is in need of justice. And the only person she can go to for justice is an unjust judge. 
Try and say that 10 times fast after a Bailey's at Christmas. Okay, so this widow has got to go to an unjust judge. Now, we don't really know too much about these two characters. We know this, though. This judge, he doesn't fear God. He has no respect for God's law, doesn't care if he breaks God's will. And to, to compound matters and make things even worse, he doesn't have any time for people either. He doesn't care about humans or humanity or anything. So he doesn't respect God and he doesn't like people. He's a bad dude. Okay, so here's a guy who's a judge. He's in a position of authority, but he has zero accountability, which is a problem. On the other side of this story, we've got this widow. And what we need to understand as we read the story is that in Middle Eastern culture 2,000 years ago, just because she was a woman, she was looked at as being a second-class citizen anyway. Not my words, just, just the way it was back then. But to make things worse for her, as well as being a woman and being a second-class citizen, she, to make things worse, she was a widow as well. So she didn't have a guy to tie her life to. So what would have happened back in those days was any inheritance that was due to her would have bypassed her and gone to the next men in line in her family, probably a brother-in-law or a son. So what used to happen in the civilization where these people were living was that there were these local district judges and they used to handle all these civil disputes. So what we look at in this story is we've got this widow who society overlooks, who culture doesn't care about, who has a need, she has a want for justice, but she has to bring it to a man who's evil. So everything, the odds are all stacked against this woman. So let's read Luke 18, starting at verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should pray always and not give up. He said to them, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor care what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against, against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said to her, and the Lord said, see what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth. So we've got this woman, this widow, who keeps bringing this request to this unjust judge, and he keeps on telling her no, and she keeps on showing up, and he keeps on telling her no, and she keeps on coming back, and he keeps on telling her no, and refuses to grant her justice. But we have to note what the text says in verses four and five. You see, it says, finally, I'm just going to paraphrase, after she continued and she continued and she shows up and she shows up again and again and again, finally, the man, it doesn't say he had a holy moment. It doesn't say he was filled with love and compassion all of a sudden. It doesn't say the angels danced on his duvet one night and he decided that he was going to make all things right. It doesn't say that at all. What it says is the judge was so bothered by the woman. She so irritated him. She so got on his nerves that he just, in the end, he just reacts and he says, fine, take your justice. He, he just reacts. But, but she bothered her way to a blessing. She irritated him until he reacted. 
And you might say, that's great. So, so what, about, what about me? How, how does that help me with, with my thing? Where I'm at right now, what I'm believing for, what I'm trusting for, what I want God to do for me. I'm in here today, and, and quite honestly, yeah, I want my breakthrough. So how, how does that story help me? You see, what we have to do with these parables is we have to figure out who am I in the story. We have to identify ourselves and find ourselves in the characters. So in the story you'd read and the widow goes to the, goes to the judge and, and you'd say, okay, so I go to God, so I'll be the widow, right? That would be me. I'd be the woman asking for something. And then you might say, well, but if I'm the widow, then that means that God is the unjust judge. And why would God picture himself being all cranky and nasty and evil and horrible? You see, what's happening in the story is that God is showing us contrast. He's using the story to show us contrast of characters and show that if the widow is going to an unjust judge and God is picturing himself as the unjust judge, if the widow's going to him and even the guy who is nasty and horrible and cranky, even if, if he eventually gave in and gave the woman what she wanted, then how much more would our loving heavenly father, who's full of love, full of care, full of compassion, his heart just aches for every one of us, how much more would he give us what we request when we go to him? You see, Jesus isn't the unjust judge. God is not the unjust judge. He's the friend who walks with us. He's the one who's closer than a brother. He's the one who loves you, cares for you, wants to look after you. He's the one who wants to save you. But I think what's really interesting is in the story, why would Jesus use the word bother? Why would he use something that we as humans understand as a bad word? Why would he say that she bothered the man? I think, in all honesty, I think he's telling us, I want you to be persistent. I think he's given us just a handle on a word that we can use in the word bother, because what he's actually saying is, as humans, I want you to be persistent when you speak to me. I want you to come to me persistently, to which I and you, and we might ask the question, okay, God, you want me to be persistent, but how persistent should I be? And he would come back. I truly believe if he was here right now, he'd say to us, I want you to be persistent to the point at which you feel like you're bothering me. That's how persistent I want you to be. And you might say, well, you know, I've, I've been believing for this thing. I've been hoping for this thing. It's been five years. I, I've been declaring for this thing. I'm still in faith. Should I keep going? And I would ask, do you feel like you're asking that often that you bother God? Well, I don't know, probably not. Well, I would say keep believing. And you might say, well, it's been 10 years. I've seen no change. It's been 10 years. I'm in faith and I'm constantly speaking to God. I'm constantly hoping on him and I'm believing on him. I would say the same thing. Do you feel like you're bothering him? Well, I don't know, maybe. Well, I would say, well, it sounds like you're onto something, so keep on going. But you know, if you're believing for a change in your life, then there's just some things that we would need to remember. Like, what do we all need to know in order to see the change happen that we so want to happen? I think the first thing is we need to know that we have to be persistent. If I was going to sum up the whole topic of bothering God, I would say it's summed up in one word, persistence. If you don't care enough about what you're asking God for, 
to ask him constantly, then how can you expect him to respond faithfully? It's not possible. You see, years and years ago, I had a job that was in the catering industry. I mean, you've heard me talk about my car sales job because that was a large portion of my, of my employment. But before that, I was in the catering and hospitality industry. I really didn't enjoy that job. I'd been in it for quite a while and I didn't actually get anything out of my days anymore. All I found was that I was getting stressed and, and, and lower and lower. And I, and I decided that I wanted to completely change my whole career. So what I did was I decided what, what I really wanted to do was to work with people. And I also decided that at the time I quite liked cars. So if you like people and you like cars, it doesn't take a mathematician to figure out that, well, maybe you go and get a job in car sales. So I polished up the CV and I sent it off to a bunch of places thinking, here we go, let's let all the offers rain back in. And I got zero, nothing. No one got back to me. So I thought, well, this is off-putting. So I, uh, I, 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 I kept on sending my CV to so many places, confused that I was getting no one coming back to me because how is anyone ever supposed to train in this job if, you, if no one will give a trainee a job? So I was just thinking, this is crazy. Then there was a family friend who said to us, there's this, there's this local dealership to me and the guy's kind of nice and you might want to just put, a, put a, a CV in there because I know him, he's a personal friend of mine. So I did and I heard nothing. So I thought, well, this is absolutely wonderful, isn't it? This is going really, really well. So then I couldn't get this dealership out of my head because of the way that the lady had described the owner to me. So I thought, he sounds like a good guy. So I got in the car one day and I put a suit on and drove over there. And I walked into the door and I, and I spoke um, to this guy, this first fellow that came to me, he seemed to be some kind of a manager. And um, I just said to him, hey, look, I sent my CV in and, and I've heard nothing. And, uh, and he says, oh, oh, I don't know about that. So he has a little look and he couldn't even confirm that my CV had ever landed with them, which was awesome. So I thought, okay, fine, no problem. But what he did say in conversation was, there was a lady who worked there who was soon to be leaving and they were going to look for a replacement. So I thought, this is good. This is good news. This is as far as I've ever got before. So the following day, I put a suit back on and I printed another copy of my CV and I got myself in the car and I drove over there and I said, here's my CV. I'd like to apply for that lady's job who's going to leave soon. I'm a trainee and I'd like to get going. And I heard nothing. So I thought, this is really going well now. So another week later, I get back in the car, put a suit on again. I drive back over there again. I said, hey, I just wondered how you're getting on with my CV. I'd like to apply for the job. And and they were like, yeah, yeah, you're just in the pile. So the week later, I got back in the car again, and it carried on again, again, and again. And I eventually got a phone call off them, and they said, we'd like to invite you in for an interview. I'm like, thank goodness for that, because I am knackered. Every single time I was saying to them, I was getting in the car, and I just happened to be passing. It'd taken me half an hour to get ready, half an hour to drive over there. I was, I was, I was taking proper time out of my life to make sure I was there. I got the interview. And one thing led to another, and I started a 15-year long job in car sales. And the reason why I tell you that is because persistence pays off. It just does. It's one of the things that you need to know about life. You see, they would have been so much better off employing someone else. They would have been far better off employing someone who had so much more experience than I did. They'd have probably made a lot more money off somebody else but maybe no one else put in the persistence that I maybe put in and just kept on moving my name and my thought to the top of the queue all the time. You see, persistent people understand that gains in life happen when we do things again and again and again. We get gains in life from going again. 
The second thing that we need to know in order to make change happen in life is repetition creates reputation. Repetition creates reputation. Have you ever wondered for a moment where your reputation is at with those people around you? Okay, it's been a great message. Thanks, church. I'll uh, see you next week. Where, where your reputation is at with those people around you. Where does your reputation come from? Reputation is something that's created by our repetition. You see, in the, what's amazing in this whole exchange in Luke 18 is you've got this woman and she comes to this judge and what's incredible is he doesn't grant her the mercy because, the, she, she, because as we discussed, he didn't have this whole change of heart on the matter. She just bothered him. But one of the things that he says was, because I don't eventually want her to come and attack me. Who was this woman? I don't want her to attack me. Something tells me she had previous or something. She was in St. Anne Street, Nick. She like, well, like, I'm going to get justice or I'm going to cut you. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do you in. Like, who was this woman? She had a reputation. She was bold. She knew what she wanted and she went after what she wanted. He eventually gave her justice because he just didn't want any problem with this woman. She drove him crazy. But what, 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 what he understood was she had a reputation. It went before her. He didn't want any problem with her because repetition creates reputation. You know, if you don't like your reputation, then you need to check your repetition. What, what is it that you do? What is it that you say? What is it that you behave like? Because if you feel like your life is just a vicious cycle and there's just all these things that keep on coming back around all the time and maybe you need to check your repetition because it's like this. If you keep repeating drama, you'll get known as drama queen. Don't be surprised. I won't leave out the guys, drama king. If you keep repeating gossip, then don't be surprised when your reputation is gossiper. If you keep repeating substance abuse, then don't be surprised when your reputation is addict. If you keep repeating fear, then you can't be surprised when your reputation is coward. You see, persistent people understand that gains in life come from when we do things again. They come from repetition. And some things in life are totally not worth repeating, but other things really, really are. You know, I want to be known by those people around me and by God as having a, a reputation of being persistent. And I want to pray big, bold prayers, prayers that are embarrassing if I told anybody what I was actually believing for in my life because they're so crazy and so huge and so big that there's no way I deserve to get some of these things answered in my life. But I want the reputation around people around me and with God that I'm a that I'm a man of persistence. That's what I want a reputation of. And the third and final thing that we need to understand, we really need to learn that to see the change happen that we so want to happen in our lives is that no is a part of the process. No is a part of the process. You know, our Christian life, the whole of our Christian life is a process. You're on it. I'm on it. We're all on it together. No one's any higher up or any lower down. We're just at different stages along the same process. We're all the same. Everyone's in a process. 
And as we move forward through this process, time and time again, there's points where we will have to reach the top of a mountain where we finish just believing for something. But what we have to realize is that we then go down the other side and we start believing for the next thing. And we start believing for the next thing. And we never run out of things to believe for and hope for. So we may as well all get used to the idea that life is a process and no is a part of the process. You know, very recently I had the honour of speaking to some of our young adults. They were having a night surrounding relationships and love and marriage and sex and it was dead racy and it was really fun and really cool. And... Um, I said to my wife, Vicky, actually, this is not in my notes. You can have this for free. I said, I'm going to draw a diagram, babe. She just looked at me. She was like, whoa, you are, you are stupid. I didn't draw a diagram. It's crazy. Anyway, so I got talking to our young adults and um, one of the topics was, um, should you play the dating game or should you wait for a life partner? What should you do? And my advice, I can only ever speak from my own personal advice and I'm someone that when I was young, I did play the dating game and I got hurt and I hurt people and I really had to find my way through an awful lot of pain and an awful lot of hurt. But I came to a point where I made a decision and my decision was, I'm going to stop all this. I am going to quit all this. I am not playing the dating game anymore because God, I'm going to have a deal with you and the next person I date, that's the person I'm going to marry. Now that's a scary deal. Who knows that when you go to, to ask that next person out, will you go out with me? That's the person who I wanted to marry. So I was like, God, I'm going to keep my part of the deal and I'm not going to go crazy asking loads of people out, but I'm believing that you're going to keep your part of the deal and bring someone to me. And days turned into weeks, turned into months, turned into years. And I was in faith and I was like, God, have you properly forgotten our deal? Like, I'm not doing what I used to do anymore. I'm, I'm a different guy now. And, and, and there's no one coming, God. There's no one knocking on my door. I'm kind of on my own. Have you forgotten about me? And I had a choice as to whether or not I kept on believing. I had to understand that no was a part of my process. It was a big part of my process and I didn't enjoy it at all. It wasn't easy but persistent people understand that no is a part of the process. And what if I decided to give up on that process and pursue things my own way? What if I just decided, actually, God, I take back that deal. I, um, I give up on that now. I'm just going to go and do things my own way. Maybe I would never have given him the opportunity to bring the perfect life partner who he'd been preparing all that time when I've been on my own and all that time I've been waiting, he'd been preparing her and preparing me for the day when we would eventually meet. I maybe wouldn't have given him that opportunity if I hadn't been persistent and understood that no was a part of the process. You see, persistent people understand that with every no, you're just one step closer to a yes. Just because you hear a no today, doesn't mean you won't hear a, no, a yes tomorrow. And you don't need to believe 
uh, to, to, to be beaten by it. And you don't need to fear no. And we need to stop giving up at no and stop losing our faith at no and stop backing off and backing down and forgetting about what God says at, at a no. We can't be those people who every time we get a no, we give up. When we get a no, we're one step closer to a yes. Just because you hear a no doesn't mean the next answer won't be a yes. So let's all commit to being people of persistence who understand that gains in life are had when you go again. It's, it's the same for the story of this church, Liverpool One Church. We took up a miracle offering years ago, years ago, because we had our eye on a building. The building doubled in price. We banked the money. We said, hey, God says no. But we banked the money because we knew that at some point along the line, there was going to be a yes. And then we had keys to a building. We had keys for weeks to a building. We had architects' drawings of how we were going to plan the inside space and what the auditorium was going to look like and where the children's work was going to go and how incredible it was going to be. And then the vendor changed hands. The building was, was tripled in price and it was crazy. And God just said no. But we kept on going and we kept on believing. And look, eventually God said yes. And we're now in this building, which is just a dream. It's a great home for us and you're all here. And we saw you in our, in our mind's eye all those years ago. Because eventually God said yes. He didn't continue to say no. I don't want you to leave here today and misunderstand what I'm saying. I don't want you to leave here today and think I've tried to give some message of false hope. And I'm not trying to say that if you're believing for something, that, that you deserve a yes. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm trying to say. And I'm not trying to give you false hope or say that God's impressed with your efforts or impressed with your striving. What I am saying is that when we go to God with a request, He hears us and He has an answer for us. He always hears us and He always has an answer. And He will always respond with one of three things. Yes, no, or maybe later. You see, because... We don't get to control God's response. That's not something that we can do. We just get to control our request. God's response, that's him. It's his job to perform the miracle. It's our job to prepare and be expectant for the miracle. And the thing is, when we go to God persistently, he will either give us our answer or he'll change us. Either is amazing. Either is a win. Either is beneficial. What is there in your life that you're here with today that you can say, I've given up on that thing. I've, I've given up. I've, I've totally let that thing go. We don't want to bother God anymore. What is there in your life that you've given up on? Because if trusting starts the miracle and worry ruins the miracle, then persistence produces the miracle. So wouldn't it be awesome if we went into 2019 as Liverpool One Church family and we had a strong start and we all went forward together into 2019 with the attitude of, I'm going to bother you until you bless me. I'm going to pursue you until you answer me. And I'm going to chase you down until you speak to me. 
when we embrace the spirit of persistence and we go after God with everything that we have, that's what's magnetic to him. That's when he responds faithfully. That's when we see breakthrough. It's when we embrace persistence. Church, time's gone today. Stand with me while we pray.